Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin. History, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We have a rockin' show for all of you today. But before we jump in, we want to remind everyone to like, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, the YouTube is is massive. We really need some help over there. Yeah, um, just just to just to promote our presence, honestly. Like, yeah, we're, we're you know we're still an up and coming podcast. We got a lot of great interviews, a lot of great history, and yeah, just just spread the word and and to push the content even further. You know, that's what we need. We just need a little bit more help uh, out on the uh, the comments and the rates, the reviews. Uh, hit the subscribe button. You don't have to hit the bell, you know, to be notified, but hit subscribe. It at least gives us that, uh, that additional presence. So uh, on today's uh, episode, our main story here is the Midwest Rock Festival. Uh, we have another edition of How Many Local You At? We have a This Day in Wisco History. A Wisconsin beer review, and we have music from Russ's own So So Radio, and a special guest interview, which is awesome. I love this one. Um, let's go ahead and wrap up this intro and get this episode underway. So, today's main story, again, is Midwest Rock Festival. You have all heard of the famed Woodstock Music Festival, uh, that uh, took place in Bethel, New York, uh, 1969. Uh, Hugh Jacks played that thing. Grateful Dead, right. Jimi Hendrix. Uh, just an, an amazing festival for sure. But did you know that three weeks, a mere three weeks before Woodstock 69, Milwaukee actually hosted uh, its very own mega music festival? Russ, I know you didn't know this. I actually didn't know this. This is kind of a yeah. new thing for me. So, so this is this is something that I've kept near and dear to my heart. Uh, but on July 25th through the 27th in 1969, a man named Peter Knapp, he was then a 22-year-old president of Midwest Festivals, Inc. He arranged and scheduled his first ever music event. Russ, this is his first ever music event that he's putting together. Right. He's, ne- he's never been a, a promoter or a, uh, an event scheduler. I mean, this is his very first thing. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible, to tell yeah. you the truth. I mean, it's absolutely I've, I've actually never heard of this, though. You know what I mean? Like, you always hear about Woodstock, but you never hear about this. Right. Which is a great. Lo- a lot of these other ones. But uh, so just like Woodstock, the Midwest Rock Festival had to overcome uh, gate crashers, rainstorms, uncooperative performers, uh, and a young promoter scrambling to keep it all together, trying to keep it all together. So uh, Peter Knapp, 
uh, he was actually running a lease program for a Plymouth slash Chrysler dealer in the area and had requested some time off in August to actually attend Woodstock. He said to his boss, hey, uh, is there any way I can get some time off in August? There's this thing I want to go to. It's going to be big. I really, really would like to attend. Instead, his boss handed him a check for $10,000 and told him, "Ah, get started on building your own festival. And that's how this whole uh, Midwest Festivals, Inc. even began. It was with a a $10,000 handout saying, hey, you know that thing you're trying to go to? Do it here. That's crazy for 60s money. That's a lot of cash. That's a lot of cash, I I can't believe somebody would do that, but cool. (laughs) It's insane. I know. Mind you, this was June 28th, and Woodstock is scheduled for August 15th to the 18th. So we're talking just just, just a turnaround, a short, short turnaround that we're talking. Woodstock is already in, 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 in existence. It's already scheduled. People already know about it. These zines and radio stations and everything have already been talking about it. So the youth and, and, and all these music fans already know about it, and they are going to this. I mean, it's, in, it's already written in history that we already know that a, a bunch of people from, from miles around, way out to California, came to visit Bethel, New York at this guy's farm to see Woodstock. So we already know people from around the entire United States knew about Woodstock. Yeah. And we're talking weeks beforehand that we're going to try to build, promote, schedule all of that for here in Wisconsin. It's crazy. So they faced many difficult elements, including counterfeit tickets, downpouring rain, just a ton of stuff, which caused some artists to cancel their sets. Uh, But one much anticipated band played anyway. So Blind Faith, it's a super group composed of members from uh, Cream and Traffic. Both of those are large bands. We were talking Steve Winwood, Ginger Baker, the drummer. Uh, Rick Gretsch, the uh, bass player, and Eric Clapton. I don't know if you just heard me. I just said Eric Clapton. And I've heard of Blind Faith before this, so I, yeah. I knew about this. At least I'm a pretty music. I'm a quite, quite a music buff. Yeah, and 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 I know that you uh, that you like Eric Clapton. You like Cream. You like the the different bands that both Ginger Baker and Eric Clapton have been oh, a part sure. of. The Beatles, which a yeah, lot of yeah. people don't realize that. Uh, Eric Clapton actually played the guitar solo in uh, Well, My Guitar Gently Weeps. So um, d- did you know that uh, there was a quarrel um, between Clapton and George Harrison, actually? I did not know that. So what happened is, um, th- so this song, I, I believe it's Layla, was actually written about George George Harrison's girlfriend at the time, who Eric Clapton had a quarrel. And, and Layla, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Uh, not only written by Clapton, the major riff is actually written by one of the um, oh, the, the brothers. Oh, shit. You, you, you keep talking really quick about this quarrel. Yeah, so there was a quarrel. It was, um, so George Harrison was dating a girl at the time. Um, I can't remember her name. Um, but yeah, so he was originally scheduled to be in the Beatles. He was actually going to be the guitarist for the Beatles. Yeah. And I think that's kind of common knowledge. But, yeah, there was actually a quarrel between him and George Harrison over a woman who he really loved. 
Um, and I wow. can't, I, you know, it's crazy because I can't think of her name, but I'm, I'm a, and I'm a huge music buff. But it was, yeah, it was about a girl. Um, and they were kind of going back and forth. And uh, yeah, Eric Clapton actually was in position to be part of the Beatles. Yeah. But George Harrison actually ended up taking the role. Yeah. So there was kind of like that ongoing quarrel between the two. And I mean, it, it doesn't get much more uh, prestigious when we're talking about uh, classic rock and just music in general as uh, George Harrison and Eric Clapton. But so to, to begin with, you know, Eric Clapton didn't release the song Layla under my name's Eric Clapton. Uh, it was Derek and the Dominoes. Uh, and, and it was the, the 13th track on it. But anyway, it was Dwayne Almond, uh, uh, the Almond brothers, uh, Almond, not Almond. Sorry about that. Uh, but the, uh, the Almond brothers were actually involved in the writing of the major lyric or, uh, major, uh, guitar pieces and musical aspect of the song Layla, Crazy. Uh, including the recording of this song, uh, had a lot featured by Almond, the Almond brothers. So, Okay, I thought of the girl's name. It's Patty Boyd. It was her name. Oh, yeah, sure, 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 sure. Patty Boyd. So what happened is they were kind of in a quarrel because it was George Harrison's girlfriend at the time, and Clapton loved loved her, had a huge crush on her, and he would actually eventually take her away from George Harrison and actually ended up marrying Patty Boyd for a short time. Sure. I actually, yeah. The the, the story is uh, fairly well known, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about names that, that, Dwayne Allman, the Allman Brothers, uh, George Harrison. I mean these these names that are uh, that are encompassing into the Cream and the Derek and the Dominoes and, and that whole world, and then into Blind Faith, which is the one who played here at the show. Just absolutely ridiculous. But you know, so to to just encompass it again. George Harrison's song "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." Uh, Eric Clapton is the one who contributed the uncredited uh guitar work on that uh on that specific track so we're talking about blind faith pushed on and played their saturday afternoon set without any interruptions uh other notable acts who performed uh led zeppelin oh man that would have been so great you to cannot see. get away from the fact that led zeppelin is one of the best rock artists in history you know, what's funny, though, is it's 1969, so, you know, they're probably well-known, but they weren't as well-known. Right, exactly. Know? Yeah, this is uh, this is sort of towards the, the beginning of, of uh, what we all know as Led Zeppelin. Uh, I mean, they, they had uh, songs written and, and, and albums produced and, and uh, you know, released already at this point, but... They were formed in 1968, so right. I mean, just, we're talking. New. I mean, a year into their career, they're coming over to the states. They are from, they're from London, uh, for everybody listening. But they uh, showed up in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for this sick, just awesome music festival. And uh, uh, we have bands like John Mayall, their blues, of course, the uh, blues explosion, massive. the blues great, explosion, great stuff. Uh, Bob Seger system, which, you know, at this point in time, we're not talking about turn the page and some of these other songs, but still Bob Seger, early Seger, early Bob Seger here. This is amazing stuff. You got Joe Cocker. Oh man. Who doesn't love Joe Cocker? I know they like cigarette ashtray voice that he has. Just like phenomenal. Uh, Just, just lights out, man. Just, this is, this is way too huge. 
uh, Johnny Winter. Come on now. Yeah, I know. Uh, the albino massacre, dude. That guy the, can play. The like, albino massacre yes, is in Milwaukee amazing. rocking the hell. Uh, I, I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal. Just to hear uh, what was what was his big one? I uh, think Frankenstein, right? Frankenstein, but then there was another one. Uh, I don't know if it's Love Roller Coaster. Yeah, no, I know. What the hell yeah, is he was it? amazing. You know, the one I see on here listed in the uh, actual event was MC Five, which you MC5, know they're, yep, they're like the yeah. father of punk rock. A lot of people consider them, you know, Earliest the Sonics. Versions the Sonics of. and MC Five are like kind of the fathers of the modern punk rock era that happened in the seventies and eighties, which is insane. Yep. So MC5, as uh, Russ mentioned, they're another one of the notable acts. The first edition uh, and Sweetwater, which was uh, the band that was originally scheduled to open uh, Woodstock. Uh, A lot of people uh, may have seen some of the newer documentaries and stuff that have been uh, written and produced and and filmed for Woodstock. there PBS. was a lot of issues uh, with the the first day of Woodstock. Yeah, PBS put out a great documentary about yeah. Woodstock, which is really cool because you can see how these young guys are putting together something so yeah. massive. And and they had a lot of venue changes and stuff for Woodstock. Uh, right. People people in cities cut out right at last second in order to, you know, uh, I don't know because it was a political issue that they we didn't want hippies to be around here because that'll right. uh, you know put us in a different category, but. So, uh, so Sweetwater is, is originally intended to open Woodstock. Uh, there was a lot of travel issues with Woodstock. Uh, the, the county roads that existed then couldn't, uh, could not potentially move all of the expected traffic. People got stuck miles and miles out, just ended up parking their cars and walking the rest of the way, which is crazy, but. You know, it's still it, it pushed on. You know, right. Woodstock is another one of those. And and again, we're not here to be like Woodstock sucked, and this Midwest Midwest Rock Festival is the better one. But a lot of people just don't realize that that there was something that we did here in Wisconsin that could rival, I guess, even the 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 size or the or the significance of Woodstock. So, um. Yeah. So anyway, the the uh, band Sweetwater played here at this festival. Absolutely phenomenal. So this festival took place at the State Fair Park. So we uh, right here in Milwaukee, just out. Well, just outside. It's West, uh, West Alaka, Alice. Te- technically West yep. Alaka. So uh, it was a flatbed trailer was parked in the infield of the racetrack uh, directly in front of the grandstands. That was the stage. That was the makeshift you know, here you go. Go ahead and play on the back end of this truck. Uh, despite the rain and, and different ticket issues, uh, everyone seemed to have a great time. Uh, there are some bootleg recordings of the uh, Led Zeppelin set and the Blind Faith set. Uh, those are uh, found on YouTube. If you simply uh, go on YouTube, search up a Blind Faith uh, Midwest Rock Festival 1969, something like that. Uh, Led Zeppelin, Midwest Rock Festival 1969. You'll find these, uh, and they are uh, really actually highly rated uh, amongst the fans of both uh, Zeppelin and Blind Faith, which is crazy because, uh, you know, this isn't like a cool arena. This isn't like a normal stage or sound venue. This is just in the middle of a, a racetrack infield uh, in 1969. 
You know, a, a, a cool band I saw there that was in the uh, racetrack area that actually was on a flatbed too was actually the Wallflowers. Uh, Wallflowers. I wasn't I at was the huge. show with you, but it was a great yeah, show. Yeah, you and your brother and your mom went. Yep. And, uh, uh Really good show. We've seen a few different random acts that have just been super great at the infield uh, of the um, old Milwaukee Mile. Yes. Which recently actually just hosted a, another big race, which was uh, something that. I didn't think would happen in our lifetime, but I think it was like 2018 or 2019, a, a somewhat of a big race was, yeah. uh, was held there again. But uh, some of the more notable acts that were scheduled, but could not perform uh, due to this, you know, constant downpour and, and just awful weather that ended up happening on, uh, I believe the Saturday was uh, Jeff Beck. He's very notable. Oh, uh, he's another guitar player. It's just kind of another up there, top, top guitar notch. virtuoso. That's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Jethro Tull, the old uh, flute, flute flute rock artist, right? Yeah, I never know. thought you'd use that in the same sentence. You know what's funny is like the rain and the water. I mean, everyone kind of had an aqua lung, so he probably should have been there, man. <laughs> and uh, just fluting it up. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Who who doesn't love a rock flautist? So. Really, the the big takeaway here is Milwaukee has long since had a great history uh, with music and uh, specifically with some really notable artists. And although Woodstock happened a mere three weeks after this particular show, the Midwest Rock Festival, uh, you know, we didn't have the Grateful Dead. We didn't have Jimi Hendrix. We didn't have, you know... Uh, what Dylan and uh, there was and, a lot of there was uh, Jefferson or, Airplane. Jefferson Airplane. There was oh man, Joe just, Cocker did play. He did play there here. There there were so many good ones. I mean, yeah. just so many notable ones. So, but we did have a, a phenomenal turnout, a phenomenal show, and I, I just I can't believe that uh, that that's something that. It kind of goes un unspoken about, unheard of. Like I said, I haven't heard about it before you mentioned it to me. Yeah, I'm so. really, I'm really, I'm I'm really taken aback by, you know, uh, uh, what what can happen with persistence and with, you know, your your ability to, uh, just stay stay aggressive and stay driven. Uh, you, you can do whatever you want. Put a put a damn rock show on, right here in the middle of Wisconsin, in the middle of a damn farm field. Look at all the agriculture. And now for a Wisconsin music segment, I know that this kind of transitions super well from what we just talked about on our main segment, Uh, but uh, today's artist is actually pretty near and dear to us here at the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. Uh, The the group is known as So-So Radio, or was known as So-So Radio. Uh, The song is Moenjo Daro. Uh, Russ, I'm going to let you take a little bit of this, uh, uh, and I'll ask a few questions as we go along the way, but, uh, this was your group. Yeah. So, uh, obviously we had Sam in our first uh, episode. He, uh, he did a song for us, but he was a drummer in the band and, uh, we had a singer Ryan and I did some backup vocals for the band and, um, yeah, so we were, we were called So So Radio, the songs Mo and Jodaro. And a one great thing that happened in my lifetime was playing with this band. We actually get, were able to travel. We played a lot of, um, you know, venues in the Midwest. Uh, one great thing that happened to me is um, there was a show, um, Scrubs, where we are featured in the episode called Our Drunk Friend, which I, like, it was just such a huge deal for me. Like, they're play, like the song you can't hear very well, it's in the background of a bar scene. There's a band kind of playing our song in the background. 
and it was just kind of like a huge thing for me, like an eye awakener. And I met a lot of good people. I met a lot of good friends. I actually met my ex-girlfriend, Crystal, on Crystal Lassen while I was kind of touring with the band. Yeah. There was just a lot of good times. We played with a lot of good bands. The Hold Steady, um, Mashala, which is like a kind of like a... I don't know how you'd say like Rastafarian type music, I guess, kind of Bob Marley. Sure, reggae-ish. Yeah, it was reggae, and it was really cool. It just met a lot of great people, a lot of good bands. I played at Cactus Club, you know, pretty much a lot of the main venues here in the Midwest, and the Frequency, just to name a few. And it was just a really cool experience. And I know you're a huge musician. We've been in bands together, and uh, we both have a huge love for music. And this was one of really cool times in my life, actually. Yeah, I know uh, uh, Sammy and and uh, yourself and. Uh, your your brother uh your stepbrother uh, Monty we've all kind of toyed around with music and and tried our hand at different things and just kind of enjoy, enjoyed each other's company but uh, so for this particular track like where was this one uh, recorded where did you guys do your work yeah so i don't know if anyone's ever heard of a band they're called the new loud they're really cool they have a really great sound but um the uh, the one of the people who are in new loud um he owns Bobby Peru studio in Milwaukee here. I think it's yeah. actually considered, it's like the suburbs. So I think it might be West Alica. I can't remember West Alice. I sure. guess we call it West Alica. West Al- yeah. West or Alica Dirty or Dirty Stale. So I think it's kind of more in that area, but he has produced some really good music, including Fall Out Boy. Um, yeah. Original he was Fall Out original Boy. one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he recorded Fall Out Boy is from Chicago, Illinois. It was just a great experience. You know, I met a lot of cool people, a lot of friends. I, I still have friends. I rode a from train. I rode a train with, uh, um, Damn, the drummer. Yeah, he lives up in actually Germantown. Yeah. By yep. my mom's house. The drummer still, from Fall Out Boy is still there, actually. Still has a great house there. Uh, I was I was riding the train down to Chicago. Uh, he happened to be on uh, Hurley, Andy Hurley. Yep. Uh, and I saw him, and I was like, hey, are you you by chance? And, and he's recognizable. He's noticeable. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. You can notice used, him. Used to have a just massive head of hair. Yep. Uh, but to to be to be back on topic here a little bit more, uh, in this band, Soso Radio, what what did you do? Uh, so you were the bass player. I was a bass player. Um, it's kind of been my go-to, as you know. A lot of bands we were in together. I, I played. I've bass. always used you as a bass player and a and a tremendous vocalist because you just have this ability to cut through a fucking track with that with yeah that it's just like i have a, a decent range so i have like a mid to a higher range voice as you can hear on this podcast and so I, i'm pretty good at like matching with a different harmony above the singer usually right and ryan garcia has a pretty good voice um a little baritone and so i can kind of cut into that a little bit a higher range yeah and it kind of worked out really good and i mean we're all really tight i mean me, Eric, Monty, Sam, we've all kind of been kind of this crew that have been producing really great tracks. Yeah, and and for the most part, you know, we all still kind of float ideas around. Uh, none of us play consistently anymore. None of us do anything live, but, uh, you know, we all still sort of try our hand at stuff. But uh, the track you're about to hear is uh, from Soso Radio. Uh, again, it's called Moenjo Daro. Uh, as featured on the hit television show Scrubs, uh, featuring uh, Zach Braff and uh, some other individuals. But uh, enjoy it. Uh, again, you know, there's not a whole lot out there on the Internet about this. Uh, they're not on Spotify or, or Apple or anything like that. But uh, check it out. Honestly, it, it's, it's phenomenal music. And so it ends with 
So this was a truly special music uh, segment with uh, uh, Soso Radio, uh, Russ's former band. Uh, the song was Moen Jodaro. Again, a lot of this stuff isn't available anywhere else. So, uh, hey, if you guys want more of it, let us know because we have 
I don't know if it was it a full album. We have a full album, and uh, we have an EP as well that I can send. So yeah. if you're so really interested, like if you're yeah, if you're really really interested, let us know. Uh, yeah, Ryan, comments. Ryan Garcia, the lead singer, is just a really cool guy, and he, he has Ryan has a bunch of di- uh, different stuff too. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And our buddy Sam, obviously, you heard in the first episode. I know Russ had mentioned it at the top uh, that he, he also has his own uh, thing going on right now with uh, Sam. So it's absolutely phenomenal stuff i worked with sam on the first album of sam so uh absolutely awesome stuff i can't believe we have such a cool uh tight-knit group of musicians and friends so yeah yeah without any more further ado we have how many local you are fuck (laughs) so uh this one is uh from madison so an intoxicated driver going the wrong way was arrested after nearly hitting a state trooper <laughs> and several other cars on Sunday, early Sunday, Oof. by the way. Uh, according to a Facebook post from the Wisconsin State Patrol, the incident began after they received reports of a wrong way driver going eastbound in the westbound lanes of Highway 12-18 near Madison around 4.40 a.m., which we all know what happens at 2 a.m. in Wisconsin. Yes. Yeah, so, you're done drinking. But what was this guy doing after hours? You know what I mean? To oh, get that extra hour or two. He was doing some greasy, it up, greasy stuff. Yeah, he must have been uh, extracurricular. Oh, wait a second. This is a woman. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, so the driver, a 42-year-old woman, entered the northbound interstate traveling wrong way in the southbound lanes and nearly hit a trooper that was responding, as well as several other vehicles that were all bystanders. Um, officials said that the uh, the Dane County Sheriff's Office deputies deployed tire deflation devices, uh, those are spike strips, uh, in order to try to stop the vehicle. The woman kept driving with the deflated tires, so a high-risk stop was conducted. Probably a pit maneuver? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, probably. So the woman is facing charges of OWI, second offense, reckless driving slash endangering safety, eluding, operating after revocation, driving in excess of the posted speed limit, and deviating from designated lanes. Mm -hmm. Those are all very, very cool things. Uh, I can't believe that we're uh, finding a story of this nature. Uh, Yeah, so... so Men, men are normally... The, right, right, right. the offenders of this serious of stuff. So. We've, had, we've had some young women on here that have like passed out after parties and stuff, but this one's uh like 4 a.m. around four, 4 a.m. And she's 42. So let's break this down. So she's 42 around 4 a.m. Um, there's probably spike strips involved. Um, yeah, probably I mean, a pit maneuver. They she, said that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Another... So, so they might have hit her back tire to spin her around to get her to pull over because she probably wasn't. She probably didn't even know the cops were behind her. Honestly. Probably didn't she even probably see didn't it. Drunk. Probably didn't hear it. And she's into. Uh, she's probably doing some extracurriculars. If it's four a.m., she was doing some parking lot rendezvous. Yeah. Um, so these are the evidence we have. So we know she's really drunk. She's a woman. And that's not to, I'm not bashing women or anything. Like, she's a woman, so she's smaller, so she can't handle the lokes as much as a male. Right, right. Um, she, It's 4 a.m. You know, she did, probably didn't even see the police. So, like, she's at a pretty decent loke level. I mean, for, for... She's deep. For a smaller woman, 42, 
I don't know. I don't know her background. I don't know if she's like a veteran drinker. So well, I'm this trying. This is to, her second. So it's her second. So she has some. She has some liquor. Some liquor um, in her past. Oh yeah, she's got a history of licking. So what do you think, <laughs> Eric? Um, <laughs> so, oh God damn! Why'd you do that? Why'd you go that route? She has history. She has a history of licking. Lick- what I meant was, she has a history of liquor, not licking. Okay. So. So what do you what do you think's going on here? I mean, what do you think from a local's perspective? Like, let's take all that evidence into yeah. uh, into our. Um, well, she is straight hammered. Yeah, she's hammered. Um, she has done it. So I, honestly, here's my here's my initial take: three cans local, twelve, a twelve local, three cans. Yeah, and a twelve local. My, well, my thought was yeah. So three to like three and a half was okay. my initial okay. viewpoint. Just just thinking in my head, I think a 12 local probably kind of sums us up. I mean, the cop, you know, when he had to probably hit her back tire and spin her into the ditch, I think she's she's lit up. She's thinking she's like flying or something. Right. No, she doesn't even know the cop's there. You yeah. know, to be honest with you, she probably didn't even know the state trooper was there in the she's, first place. Three and a half, I think, is is the right number. Okay, uh, so uh, three, th- three, three and a half cans. Not three okay, and a half so 14, local. Uh, like a 14 local. 14 local. I think that's a pretty good 12 estimate. 12 to 14. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with the 14 local on this one. And uh, like we say before, I always drink Wisconsin Blee. You know, we, we, we really don't want you to be on our show. That's why oh, we do this. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to read about you. We don't want to know who you are. Uh, we try not to use any names ever. Uh, but, again, don't, don't do this. Just, hey – it's it's 2020 right now. Uh, Ubers, lifts, uh, taxi cabs, everything exists for you to not do this. The Tavern League of Wisconsin has things that you can call uh, uh, local sober drivers. Like, I think some of them are actually free lifts. Now. They are. Yeah, so. They are. The Tavern League of Wisconsin always exists in a free in a free setting. You know, so uh, please uh, talk to your bartenders, talk to your uh, uh, friends. They'll help you. They'll get you something to get home safely. And if not, just put the app on your phone and, you know, set your house as like, a, a, you know, an address that, you know, just get home safely. Quit doing yeah. this drinking and driving stuff. Yeah. And a lot of those have like a one free ride when you're just signing up. Right. So just just take that free ride. Go home. Go home safe to your family. You know? Yeah. I mean, we've all been to that one party where we're like, oh, one more pitcher, one more pitcher. But when you get to that point and you know when you're like staggering to the bathroom, just get that call. Just make yeah. that call. And uh, so this brings us to a perfect point here. Our beer review. <laughs> We have a special beer today. Let's just throw it out there. This is the most special beer I think that we will ever review, uh, unless we get a beer named after us. But uh, this beer in, in particular brings us right back to our first couple episodes, the uh, the Hodag. Yeah, so me and Eric have both been to Rhinelander. We love Rhinelander. I mean, we've both been there. I go there often with my my little guy. He loves the Hodag. He he just like adores Pioneer Hodags. Park, the trains, and this, everything. Yeah, this specific beer is the Hodag beer from the Hodag store. Limited release. You probably you might not even be able to find it at this point. I would say by the time that you hear this, it's probably already off the the, and it wasn't even on shelves. It was at the Hodag store. I had to go to the Hodag store uh, and actually see the, the the shelf itself, which this sat in, which is an old you know Coke Coca Cola refrigerator for crying out loud. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal can. 
This thing has uh, the hodag sitting there sipping a brewski, having another one in the other hand. This thing is a, a, a double fister. Yeah, he's a cryptid just sucking down some brews. And actually, this one is a Pilsner-type beer. It's a 5.5% alcohol by volume, and it actually was done by the Northwoods Brewing Company in uh, yeah. Osseo, Wisconsin. Yeah, so uh, brewed brewed uh, kind of as a contract brew uh, in in partnership with uh, the, uh, the Osseo brew there. So after, um, yeah, after taking the first sip, oh my, it's just a really refreshing. You're getting a lot of the malt and the grain coming through. Ooh. It's very good. Wow. It's really good. And uh, I, I like that. I, I don't know how long this one's going to be out, but I really recommend you guys check this one out. Honestly, it's just phenomenal. That's a throttle body of a, of a taste right there. And on the can, so I'm going to read the little, little little piece on the can just so you can kind of know what's going on. It says, a beer as legendary as the Hodeg, both crafted from the northwoods of Wisconsin among the old growth pine forests and crystal clear waters comes this premium Hodeg beer, a classic old school Wisconsin Pilsner. And let me tell you, it does not disappoint. This thing is uh, as, as, as described. It is a classic, classic Pilsner taste. Uh, and, and both, it is, uh, uh, really, really out of the pine forest and the crystal clear waters. You can taste it all. You can taste the Northwoods. Yeah. And if for anyone that hasn't been to Rhineland, you got to get there. They have the Hodeg store. They got Pioneer Park, which is free. I mean, you can spend a whole day at Pioneer Park. It's like four museums in one location. I mean, you got so much cool things. It's kind of off the beaten path. So you're not in that tourist area, but you're getting that taste of Wisconsin. You know, in this small town is phenomenal. Yeah, and I and I love this beer. I know that you probably won't be able to 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 take part of it as we are, and I know eventually it will it will be brewed again. But as of right now, I mean, they had very limited limited quantity when we were at the Hodag store, my wife and I. Uh, it, so it, it's it's definitely one of those ones that you know once you get it. Get a couple cases of, or get a couple of uh, four packs of it that yeah, uh, definitely. that they have available when you can and store it in your refrigerator safely, of course, and watch out. As Russ and I have experienced, these things can get a little bit carbonated a little bit and they'll splash up on you, but that doesn't change the quantity or the, the rather the quality of the beer. Uh, it's still great. It's tasty. Yeah, we, we've made some, you know, the one thing I love about this pot is we've made some great friends, Ben Brunel at the Hodag store and uh, Carrie from Pioneer Park. Yeah. They're just such great people. I mean, they you totally get that, like, Northwoods, Midwest feel. They're really good people. They'll talk to you. You, you know, if you want to learn about the Hodag, these guys will talk to you about the Hodag or uh, Lumberjack history, which I love. And... Yeah, you gotta check it out. It's just such a cool little town. And the and the uh the antiques that you can find at the uh Hodag store are phenomenal. We actually stopped and not only bought this beer, but we had bought a few different things. There's a couple of uh cool um uh little, you know, reminiscent things that you can buy that say Hodag on it and the, and the Hodag hats and all that stuff, but the antiques there are absolutely phenomenal. I love the old stuff that they've uh, drummed in and 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 have for sale there. I mean, it just kind of takes you back, and it's a a little uh, fun fun environment. I love it. Yeah, and these two guys like they're they're really cool. Like they they know how to like 
like kind of play on the, 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 the common things that are happening at the time to kind of bring population up to Rhinelander. You know, the one newest, latest one was the guy on the um, longboard sipping on uh, cranberry juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they actually have a video. Vibin. of Yeah, they have the vibing hodag sipping yeah. on some cranberry juice. And shout outs to the cranberry farmers up north. I mean, they, uh, Wisconsin provides a lot of cranberries to Ocean Spray. Pretty much the most. I know. So we're a huge cranberry. But yeah, please check this out. If you can get up to the Hodex or if you can get up to Rhinelander, pick this thing up. It's great beer. Phenomenal crafted. You know, when it comes to lager and you're trying to branch out from your standard domestics, this one is a great gateway beer. Yeah, this is a phenomenal drink. All right. Today we're here with Andrew from Badger State. Andrew, can you give us a little history about Badger State? How you guys got started? And uh, thank you guys again for, you know, inviting us to... Uh, come on uh, the show with you and talk a little bit. Um, so Badger State Brewing was founded by myself and my two co-founders uh, about seven years ago, going on eight. 2012, um, we started the permitting process. Um, myself, Sam Yanda, and Mike Servi uh, had all met, uh, kind of become home brewing buddies Mike and I knew each other from back in middle school. We grew up playing sports together. And Sam and Mike were actually cousins. Sam had learned how to homebrew from, from a friend. And uh, I actually received a, a homebrew kit as a Christmas gift. Uh, went to Mike because I knew he had a cousin who had brewed before. And that's how the three of us all just started hanging out, you know, making beer in the garage on weekends and stuff like that. So the, the timing was really been kind of what pushed us into um, the start of the success of where we are today. I had just uh, graduated college down at uh, UW-Madison and moved back home. I was in the process of applying to uh, law school. Uh, Mike was back home as well following college. Uh, he was up at Eau Claire. And then uh, Sam was actually working in Green Bay at um, just a kind of a basic entry level job. Um, but essentially, I started writing the, the business plan. And I knew that, you know, looking around the Green Bay area, there might be an opportunity for a true brewery, a production brewery, uh, to open. Um, so we had two brew pubs that had been around since. Uh, the mid 90s and they were very food focused uh, our thing from day one was just that we wanted to focus on beer and so we kind of started the again the, the business plan process i proposed it to sam said hey man you'd have to leave your job but i think you would like this a lot more <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you saved and, him you know sorry go ahead i was gonna say you saved him <laughs> yeah Quite possibly, yeah, quite possibly. Although he'll probably never admit it to my face. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I'm okay with that. No, but, um, you know, I, I knew that in order to make it work, I would need um, uh, at least one, if not both of those guys there, full-time with me, right? You got an idea, but you can't be, you know, the business partner and the one running the brewing operations. And so once we got you know, the process rolling again. Uh, that is kind of how things unfolded. Uh, so Sam is there today with me full time. 
uh, Mike is actually uh, an optometrist. He had already committed to going to optometry <laughs> school and had taken out the student loans and stuff. So he was kind of stuck, but he actually ended up getting a job back in Green Bay and still spends a considerable amount of time um, working with us on things like packaging. Uh, he, he's huge and instrumental. Anytime you know we're running an expansion or installing new equipment, he's kind of a, a tinker, just like Sam and I are as well. But Sam and myself are there um, every day today, and Sam's running the brewing operations. Um, I'm running the sales, the marketing, all the other fun stuff, and then we still get together and come up with new beer ideas cool. and uh, new recipes, just like the good old days. So that's kind of the, the fast version, you know, in a nutshell. Awesome. Nice. So, so, wild ride. so we got to ask you, um, talking about experimental beers, anything you recommend that's coming out that we need to try? Uh, yeah, definitely. So uh, we just missed um, Oktoberfest season, and we actually rolled out our first ever Oktoberfest. Uh, we'd kind of been standoffish on that style for a long time just because so many places produced it. And what we decided to do was kind of a, a variation of our top-selling beer. That's our craft lager. It's Brewski. It's the uh, beer can that looks like the state license plate. Yep. Oh, yeah. Super recognizable. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yeah, definitely. Right on. But we did a, uh, an Oktoberfest kind of take on that in an orange can with black lettering, which was super, super cool. Um, you know, perfect for hunting season, gearing up in Wisconsin, Halloween with the orange, you know, the whole nine yards. And to boot, the beer turned out fantastic. Um, definitely unique. We're definitely very proud of it. Yeah, I wonder... I think that one's just about sold out. There might be like five cases left at the brewery, so... I wonder if the DNR considers that part of your uh, orange get-up, if you have a couple cans in your hand. <laughs> I would say yes. Okay, great. it's completely fair game to have one of those in your hand. Awesome. Yeah, and it, and it follows all the regulations and guidelines when you're out in the woods, you know? Blaze orange. Exactly. Safety first, right? Perfect. Absolutely. And then I know, I, know, I know things with COVID have been pretty weird, but do you guys have any, like, regular events at the brewery currently? Uh, yeah, we've actually found a lot of success in the past couple months with drive-in concerts and drive-in events, and that really has seemingly turned into a trend that we've seen unfold around the country, um, so that's been pretty cool to see. We've got some more stuff going on this fall, um, and we're really just pushing you know, our outdoor spaces. Um, our indoor spaces are you know, open again. And we've been able to socially distance our tables. Uh, we're running a satellite tap room in our event hall, which is huge. That's like a 400-person capacity space. So, you know, getting another 50 people in over there on that side and having plenty of room for everyone um, has been pretty easy to do. But, yeah, as far as events go, you know, we're still trying to focus on beer releases. Um, we've got our uh, Tiki Tom uh, slushy series. Oh, nice. Uh, releases kind of coming up on a regular basis. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Uh, we'll have to try to get you some. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would love to try it. Yeah, and slushy beers are, you know, they're all the rage right now. So rather than just doing fruit flavors, um, ours are, are kind of cocktail uh, inspired. 
which has been really cool. So we just released our uh, Tiki Tom. Uh, the nickname for this one was the Tweaky Tiki. We actually oh. did a coffee <laughs> cocktail uh, inspired slushy, which is something I've never seen anyone else do. And quite frankly, it, it tastes phenomenal. I don't know if you guys are into cocktails and trying new stuff, but there's a lot of opportunity for ideas to cross over oh, yeah. into those realms. Definitely, so. yeah. The the uh, the more of the uh, the the cocktail or, or uh, booze route is is definitely something we're both into as well. Yeah, distilling and, and I, stuff yeah. too. Pretty much anything Wisconsin, I'm I'm all about anything that can support, sure. especially local. Well, Andrew, thank yeah. you. But before we go, we got to ask you a few questions about uh, how Wisconsin you are. Are you willing to participate? Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, let's hear. Okay, so the first question we got, have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Oh, absolutely. I'd say probably, you know, on a weekly basis. Almost. <laughs> yeah, I here. agree. I'm in the same I boat. Agree. And then uh, we got to ask you this question. So I know you guys are from the title town, Green Bay. Have you ever tailgated at a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game? Every single one. The, the trifecta. The trifecta. Perfect score. Mm-hmm. So have you ever wore a cheese hat? Oh, absolutely. And not just a cheese hat. I've worn a cheese top hat, a cheese cowboy hat, a cheese baseball hat, and a cheese corn hat. My friends and I have a set that oh, we awesome. interchange uh, when we get to the, uh, the Packer games each year. That's, that's good. <laughs> that's huge. That's awesome. So you got like a whole suit. You got a whole closet full Just, of uh, yeah. cheddar. Next. All right. And then, so have you ever hit a deer? I haven't hit a deer. One of our employees have. Uh, I know several friends who have. That's that's actually something that I'm trying really hard not to cross off. Yeah. Right. On the list. Yeah. Of I, course. I would not not prefer to go down that road. Uh, For insurance uh, purposes. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean that's purposes naturally, and I'm a you know I'm a fan of my truck. It's a nice truck. I'd hate to see it all dented up, right? I just got a new truck too, so I I I can actually feel for you on this one. There you go. Welcome to the club. Thank you. I'm still I'm still out of the club, but I'm working on it. He's he's getting there. (laughs) There, There's still time. All right. Have you ever had a true muddled old fashioned? Oh, absolutely. And one of my favorite things to do is you know when traveling. Um, is trying old fashions in different states and seeing uh, how they make, you know, how they make theirs. Just to see how, how they, badly they mess it up. <laughs> well, usually to, how they mess it up exactly. I mean, the standard has been set so high. Um, my my favorite go to spot in Green Bay is a place called the Libertine. It's uh, downtown. It's kind of a craft cocktail uh, bar, a little bit divey. But they're old fashioned. Uh, if you know, if I could and my liver would tolerate it, I would go in there and have you know twelve of those every Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah, me too. You're not alone. They're so good, so good. So yeah, like just a little side tangent. I remember going to Boston, and uh, there was a guy with like the heaviest Irish accent, and he made like the perfect muddled old fashioned. I, I could not believe it. It was like identical to Wisconsin. Why didn't you marry him? <laughs> it's a beautiful thing I know correctly. I know Alright Next question Have you ever milked a cow? Sorry uh, What was that? Have you ever milked a cow? I have not milked a cow uh, uh, That's actually something That I think that I need to cross off On the list Just give it a shot Grab an udder Yeah Anytime any of the day Just uh, 
uh, break into any local dairy establishment and just <laughs> just rip it. Right. What's the worst that could happen? Just yeah. show them my ID. So right. Okay, just, I'm from just, here. Yeah, just tell them that uh, you wanted to experience this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. That's a good game plan. All right, next question. Have you ever been to a supper club, and do you have a favorite? Uh, sorry, say that again. Have you ever been to a supper club, and do you have a favorite? I have been to many supper clubs. Um, actually, you know, I grew up going to supper clubs. And, oh, a favorite. A favorite, a favorite, a it's, favorite. It's a tough question. Yeah, this, uh, is the, this is the struggle we all face. Yeah, uh, I'm going to throw out just a, a couple here because they all hold different places in my heart. Um, so the Nobles of Hollandtown uh, is just a little bit outside Green Bay. That's kind of my nostalgic, uh, one of my family, you know, growing up, going to on Friday night kind of places. Um, my current go-to that's actually a little bit closer uh, in Green Bay, um, you know, for going with friends and stuff is Wally's Spot. That's actually on the kind of the east side of town. And then probably my my top all-time favorite and... I'm not sure if this necessarily classifies as a supper club, but I think it does. And it's got the supper club feel. Um, it's actually the Union Hotel uh, in De Pere, which is in Green Bay, essentially. Um, it's got just a tiny, tiny bar. They make fantastic old fashions. You know, you go in there, sit down, do your drinks, look at your menu, put in your order. And then they take you to your, your table on the dining side of the restaurant. But man, I tell you the 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 pre-meal fixings at a a supper club I think are what make it for me. I don't know if you guys are on board with that too, but the cheese spreads That's what it's all about. And, yeah. You know, all the the heart healthy stuff. Yeah. It's the relish tray, uh, the 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 sticks, uh whatever they are, the what are the cracker sticks with the cheese, uh mm-hmm. the yeah, I mean mm-hmm. all the different things you get up at the relish bar is what yeah. really I mean that's what I think qualifies it as supper club versus just normal restaurant. I mean, having a great yep. uh, Saturday prime rib and fish fry, great, but relish bar that and, and the yeah, and the, yeah, and the yeah, old uh, fashioned. Yeah, and then and so you know what I gotta say, I love the fact that all these clubs and I, I know the rest of them are are damn near the same way. They're all families, and they've been owned by families for years and years and years, and now. You're kind of seeing the the next generation, uh, you know, the either the kids or someone who's kind of you know around my age, mid thirties, taking these places over and carrying on the the torch for the next uh, you know the next generation to come. That to me is super cool. Yeah, I, I do like that too. It it keeps it right in the family. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I was gonna so the next question I got for you. Um, regarding badger state is there a beer you would recommend a badger state beer that is great for beer brats uh yes actually and you know we might have to send you guys a little care package but we've got a local meat producer uh maplewood meats fantastic spot top top notch uh butcher uh all house cuts every type of meat you can think of they actually make their house beer brats with our uh, Belgian wit beer. Ooh, um, great! Yep, and I'm in. So that is the the Walloon uh, wit beer. It's 
kind of uh, an interesting story. We tested numerous beers uh, over the course of several months, um, and the the family that owns Maplewood uh, are very close friends of ours. Grew up again, played sports, went to school uh, with their son Brad, and we found that the the coriander um, and kind of that citrus accent in the wit along with just a little bit of that bready Belgian yeast goes perfect with their uh, blend of spices that they use in that beer brat. And they've been making them um, with our beers since, I want to say, 2014. We started that off almost immediately. So I have to recommend that. Again, it's the Walloon Wit beer. It's our Belgian Wit. Um, I would also throw some, you know, some Oktoberfest, some Oxki, or, you know, our, our lager, some Brewski. Yeah. Can't go wrong with a, a lager beer, you know, when you're doing beer brats. Um, and, you know, do your roux, little onion, little butter, uh, house spices, and, man, you're golden. Right? Yeah. Awesome. I agree. Now, I, I noticed you mentioned uh, the Union Hotel. Have you ever maybe been to uh, or heard of any of the, the ghost stories? I know it's a noted haunted hotel. Absolutely. I'm very familiar with the ghost stories. I'm okay. glad you brought that up because it is October, right? It is. It sure is. I, I have a personal story, if you'll let me tell it quick. Yeah. Um, and this, was, this, is, this is how I verify it. This was prior to me realizing or being told that the hotel was haunted um so the union hotel is a place that i grew up going uh you know to with my family as a kid and one night i'll never forget it i uh, had actually walked out to go to the bathroom my family had been waiting in the bar and while i was gone in the bathroom they had been seated unbeknownst to me so i walked back in the bar and when i walked in there was a bartender standing behind the bar uh who ducked down to you know like wash a glass or uh fill a glass with ice something of that nature and so i approached the bar got a little closer and i said hey excuse me do you know what table uh my family was seated at and when I went to look over the bar, expecting to see someone, there was no one there. It was completely empty behind that bar. And I swear to this day <laughs> that I had an encounter with a phantom bartender. And it was the strangest experience ever in my life. And then I found out later that, you know, the hotel um, uh, had a, a history of ghosts. And it all kind of made sense. Wow. That's, that's huge. Yeah, we uh, it's, uh it's we we recently did an episode uh, about the some of the most noted Wisconsin haunted hotels and and uh, and Union Hotel is definitely on that list. Yeah, so. yeah, one of the first ones I, we actually I, talk about. I should have ordered an old fashioned, right? You should have. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we let you go, we got one more question to ask you, and uh, we'll let you get on with your Sunday. So besides Badger State, is there another brewery or like a brew pub or anywhere that you recommend somebody go and check out? Um, you know what? There's actually a lot of places in the state that I'm a big fan of. Uh, I've got a lot of respect uh, for several different breweries. 
that I think make really good quality beer. Um, you know, they keep things interesting. They have fun with their events. They give a ton back to their community. Um, and I could list probably 10, 12 places. Um, but I'll, I'll go as close to home as possible, just in case someone's in, you know, green Bay visiting us and then they, they want to make a little, uh, drive out of it or something like that. Um, in town, you know, my two, uh, favorite kind of small spot taproom brewery friends would have to be, uh, still make beer over on the East side. And then, uh, a little bit further out, uh, door County Anape brewing has a, a small little cozy tap room. Um, they're both owned by fantastic guys, hands-on, uh, very, you know, caring dudes who are just super into beer. And they kind of started the same time as we did, uh, back in 2012. So it's been kind of fun to grow up with them. Um, and a little bit further South down in, uh, Nina, uh, lion's tail brewing, making some really good beers again, super good dudes, uh, running that place down there, good family owned spots. Um, I think that's what it's really about for me. You know, it's almost, it's gotta be, it's gotta be good people behind good beer. Yeah. And, uh, that kind of makes my experience, you know, being inside the industry and seeing a lot of things behind the curtain, if that makes sense. I like that message. It's just, it's as much about the product as it is about the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. But awesome, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, we really appreciate your time today. Um, we appreciate that it was kind of a last minute thing and you were able to get on and thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I hope, uh, I hope I'll see you guys at the tap room sometime. Maybe we can make that happen once things, you know, continue to return to normalcy and, uh, feel free to give us a shout anytime. We always love talking beer. Sounds good. Yeah. We could talk your ear off, so we'll be up there soon. Absolutely. We will definitely come visit you. Right on guys. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Have a good one. All right. You too. Cheers. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. All right. And we have a This Day in Wisco history for ya. 1887, Georgia O'Keefe is born. So this is 11-15-1887. So on this date, Georgia O'Keefe was born in Sun Prairie. That's by Madison there. A little north. Yeah. Yep. She studied at the Chicago Art Institute from 1904 to 1905, and in 1907, she relocated to New York to study the Arts Students League with William Chase. In 1926, she unveiled her now-famous flower paintings. She received much of her artistic inspiration from her surroundings in New Mexico, where she settled permanently in 1946. O'Keefe was awarded the Presidential Medal for uh, Freedom in 1977. Georgia O'Keefe eventually died in 1986 in Santa Fe. The year I was born, 1986. I love Georgia O'Keefe. I'm a huge fan. I love her artwork. I love floral patterns. I love irises, orchids, and she does a very phenomenal job. They're beautiful. Um, I've saw a whole bunch of her exposés at different museums. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to say. Like, it's just such a great thing that we have her in our state. Like, it's just such beautiful artwork. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal. They're, they're absolutely beautiful. I, I don't think anything more can be said than these are absolutely wonderful works of art. All right. That concludes this episode 
of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dangits for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always, watch, watch out, out for deer, deer on, on the way, way home. home.